Broncos Blitz Podcast with Ronnie K. Analysis, discussion, and the latest around the Broncos as the season continues. It's the Broncos Blitz Podcast with Ronnie K. Welcome to the Broncos Blitz Podcast. My name is Ronnie Court. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K, radio on Twitter, where today on the podcast, going to, uh, well, maybe ruffle a bit of feathers. Could you argue that John Elway has handed this quarterback uh, situation, has handled this quarterback situation post-Peyton Manning era as best as anybody could have? You know, he takes a lot of flack for a lot of the things that he decides and does. So we're going to dive into that and uh, where Drew Locke stands on this whole spectrum, of course, after the big win over the Houston Texans. So that's coming up on the podcast. But first, our friends over there at Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street, just a hop, skip, and jump away from Coors Field. 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 Colorado distilled spirit chef Andrea Varela and that locally sourced rotating Seasley Fair is just tremendous. Head on over there. Tap 14 on the web. That's tap14.com. Tap14.com. Of course, uh, spell out the word 14 for me on the website where you can get all kinds of great stuff. And don't forget, even on colder days, that rooftop is heated. And, of course, some of the great bourbons, whiskeys, wine, spirits, all just tremendous over there at tap14, tap14.com. The Denver Broncos, of course, coming off the big win against Houston and Look, this is a Broncos team that has desperately sought after a franchise quarterback for several years since Peyton Manning left. Of course, after the Super Bowl, it was very clear Denver was going to be put in a bad situation after that, as most teams are when a quarterback wins a Super Bowl and rides off to the sunset. It doesn't happen very often, but uh, here in Denver, it's happened twice now. And the Denver Broncos spent years after the 99 season, or I should say the 98-99 season, to try to find a quarterback after John Elway. They went through the likes of, if you remember, of course it was going to be Bubby Brister, but then Brian Greasy came along. And then uh, Danny Cannell and uh, Jackson had a cup of coffee here. Uh, And then finally Denver kind of found that free agent guy in Jake Plummer, which eventually translated to their homegrown guy in Jay Cutler. That was really the first time I think many people could say that you could be very, very competitive consistently over a long-term span, although I thought Jake uh, Jake Plummer was a very, very good quarterback here in Denver. Denver is kind of on this same situation of Peyton Manning uh, wins a Super Bowl, leaves, but then you're kind of left with this empty barren. And everybody wants to talk about and everybody wants to criticize John Elway for his handling of the quarterback situation post-Super Bowl. And make no mistake, I have also been one of those people. But I started thinking about this. I started thinking about this Sunday night after Drew Locke threw his third touchdown through over 300 yards. That's the first time in NFL history a rookie quarterback in his first road start threw for three touchdowns and 300-plus yards. I was thinking about this, and I thought to myself, well, you know, when you really think of it and you kind of start to lay the building blocks of how John Elway has executed the quarterback position, structure-wise, again, I'm going to use that keyword, and I'm going to say it again, structure-wise, plan-wise, he's actually done a pretty good job. Now, hold on, before you start throwing things or pausing it or, you know, uh, uh, going to Twitter to, to clown me for the take, let me explain. First of all, 
in 2015, when Peyton Manning, of course, won the Super Bowl, he, of course, probably would not have won that Super Bowl. The Denver Broncos don't win the Super Bowl without the help of Brock Osweiler, who was a very competent backup. And let's remember, at the time, a lot of people had a little bit of excitement around Brock Osweiler. He was kind of this mysterious, big-arm quarterback who I think many people knew there wasn't as high a ceiling, of course, as a Peyton Manning or maybe even as a top-five quarterback, but I think many people thought he could have been a competent starter. It's obviously easy to say that now, much different four years ago. Denver and John L.A. had him groomed to be the heir to the throne. They had a plan B ready to go after Peyton Manning, which is funny because, of course, uh, you know that was one of the mottos early in Peyton Manning's career here in Denver is there is no plan B. He is plan A, and that's basically what we're going to go with. Well, plan A won them a Super Bowl. But, of course, Peyton Manning rode off into the sunset and Brock Osweiler This was basically going to be his team. Denver was ready to throw money at Brock Osweiler, and he said no. He was the one who bolted on the Broncos. Now, let me continue, okay? But again, structure-wise, okay, Denver had somebody waiting in the wings ready to go that unfortunately bolted. That's not John Elway's fault. That is on Brock Osweiler for the idea that he was going to be the guy, and he just wanted to go take more money. I don't blame him for that, but I also don't blame the Broncos for having the backup plan, and that, you know, unfortunately it didn't work out for due to many circumstances. Uh, more on the case of, I think, Brock than the Broncos, but certainly, look, it just didn't work out, but I'm not going to crush them for that. Now, if you want to talk about talent evaluation, okay, if you want to talk about what X person thinks about X player as a quarterback or what wins in the NFL as a quarterback. That's another discussion. That's not what we're discussing today. Okay. That's not what we're discussing. What we're discussing today is the structure in the path that they took to get there. And quite frankly, I think Denver has done a nice job in a lot of this. So now you start to think, okay, so Brock Osweiler is not going to be the quarterback. Denver loses that. You're obviously now looking at a, Well, new quarterback, and so they bring in Paxton Lynch. They trade up for Paxton Lynch and uh, dub him the next heir apparent, but obviously it's not going to come immediately. So what do the Denver Broncos do? They look at starting to bring in stopgap guys. Now, of course, certainly, hey, uh, Trevor Simeon was the best that they had. That was going to work, and you know what? Turns out he actually didn't do too bad. Around a 500 record for his career while they groomed the heir apparent. They threw a dart. Okay, And as far as I'm concerned, that's all you can ask for from a franchise is throw darts and continually throw them until you hit because that's how you find talent. That's how you find a franchise quarterback. You are not going to find a franchise quarterback in free agency. I'm sorry Peyton Manning happens once in every green moon. It doesn't happen. It just doesn't. And even when it does, you are already dipping into a major calculated risk because there's a reason why these quarterbacks are free agents, okay? There's a reason why. Peyton Manning had some very, very serious injuries that he dealt with that, you know what, thankfully he has become healthy from and now he can live a he could live a better life, if you will, not only after football, but of course had the opportunity to come back and win another Super Bowl. This is a Denver Broncos team that continued to throw darts, and that's all you can ask for. They basically had, in a four-year span, 
three potential quarterback franchise quarterback options at their disposal in Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch, and now Drew Locke, of course. That's quite a bit for a team that, you know what, is just looking to find the next guy. Because if you dirtle around in free agency and you dirtle around with stopgap quarterbacks, and we're going to get to stopgap quarterbacks here in a second, you're not going anywhere. We clearly have seen that over the last two years. And that's where my third point comes in. This is actually a positive. Because you could argue that he actually put in the best stopgap quarterbacks as possible. Now, you can be the best option and still be a bad option. So please don't get that confused. When when Case Keenum was signed here, when Drew Law was uh, when Drew Joe Flacco was traded for, you didn't see me pounding the table saying, "Oh yes, here we go." There was not a lot of excitement from myself, and and quite frankly, I thought this team was going to be much better than it was, but that was more in spite of Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco doesn't excite me one bit, nor does Case Keenum, but you know what? Those were the best options. Those were the best options. There was not an option in free agency that was better than Joe Flacco this previous year, and quite frankly, I think the only argument maybe would have been Ryan Fitzpatrick over Case Keenum two years ago. Quite frankly, those aren't better options. So they did put together the arguably best stopgap possible when it comes to trying to win now in as many games as possible. Now, I understand. If you want to blow it all up, you want to say, you know what, I would rather just win three, four games every single year and just, you know what, eh, just deal with it. Just say, hey, let's get a high draft pick. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll regroup for next year. That may be the fans' mindset, but that's not the the owner's mindset. That's not the the uh, Pat Bowen way. That's not John Elway's mindset. John Elway is a very competitive individual, and quite frankly, when you start to see this team lose, then you start to see 19,000 fans no-show. It's 19,000 concessions not earned. That's 19,000 parking not earned. That's 19,000 merchandise revenue that is not earned as well, too, and that is where the Broncos start to feel it. That is a big deal. They are not a big-time money cash franchise. So 19000 is a big, big number. They had to constantly win as much as possible without still the idea that, hey, we are trying to groom this young kid. And that's what they were trying to do. Now, you want to talk about evaluation, talent evaluation, whether you thought prior to the draft, after the draft, if Paxton Lynch is going to be the guy or not, that's another story. Again, We're just talking about the structure here, not the actual talent evaluation. When it comes to talent evaluation, it is very clear. John Elway is very moot at best when it comes to evaluating quarterback. But you know what? Third time's a charm. I liked Drew Locke coming out of college. Really liked him coming out of college. Thought he was the best uh, prospect, if you will, of the rookie quarterbacks. And I think he's going to have a really, really great career here in Denver. Stoked to have him as the Broncos quarterback. But it took him three tries, three tries, and that's quite a bit. And most most, uh, people, most individuals don't get those opportunities. But you know what? If he did hit with Drew Locke, that becomes a different story. Again, I don't want to talk about talent evaluation. The evaluation and the idea that Joe Flacco, Case Keenum, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler were going to be anything but average quarterbacks at best, that's at best, is kind of – it's – It's mind-numbing with the idea that you think they can be better than that. Mind-numbing. But 
they were the best options. Make no mistake. And let's not forget, there were a couple people excited about the idea of pairing Case Keenum with Bill Musgrave. And they were going to have this death by paper cuts offense, and it was going to be uh, a very efficient, high completion percentage. They were going to take advantage of all of Case Keenum's uh, skill sets. No, it wasn't going to happen. He's not a good quarterback. Let's also not forget about the potential excitement that Joe Flacco brought with some fans. They thought he was going to air it out and he was going to hit the deep ball and Rich Gangarello and the Shanahan offense and all this stuff that they, uh, people talked about. No. Joe Flacco was never going to be a great option. I said that before. I said that. I say that after. I say that now. He was never going to be a great option. But you know what? He was the best option. So you can be the best option and a bad option. At the same time, now you could either trot out Brendan Allen for 16 games or you could trot out Joe Flacco. Quite frankly, I'm not sure which is better because that's a lot of money spent on Joe Flacco, but at least they were trying their best to still win football games. They were trying, and unfortunately it backfired on them. But you know what? While they were doing all this, they were still throwing darts. They were still throwing darts at the board and saying, hey, let's find some young talent and let's see if he could be worth a damn here. Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon, Kyle Sloter, Chad Kelly, seeing if any of these guys could be anything. And finally, it looks like they hit on Drew Locke. I'm not saying John Elway has done a great job, but I'm saying could anybody else have done it any differently? Okay. When it comes to actually executing the structure, could they have? I really don't know because I'm not sure if anybody else would have executed it as best as it could have been. It's easy to say, easy to say that you should have taken Russell Wilson back a couple of years ago. Oh, two, skip a few years ago. Hindsight is 2020. Stop it with the 2020 takes. Come on. Okay, the year is coming up. The takes should not. All right, it's easy to say that after the fact. Okay, and quite frankly, there are many other players on this team that uh, look have been hit or miss. So if you want to talk about talent evaluation, that's one story. But when it comes to the structure, little differently, much different when it comes to how they've planned out the path post Peyton Manning era. Because boy. Every, every single time I jump on social media, anytime this discussion starts, it is very negative. And I'm sure a lot of people saw the headline to this podcast and saw my first question in the, the first comment and said, oh, that's outrageous. What are you talking about? Well, really think about it. Could really anybody else done anything differently outside of the idea of just keep throwing darts? Because that's all I can ask for. As Look, if you are a Broncos fan, you just keep throwing darts because that's how you find a franchise quarterback. You just keep throwing darts. This is not a science. It is a very much calculated risk with a human element involved, and it's a very complex game at a very complex position. But you just keep throwing darts. And you keep throwing darts until you finally hit one. And when you finally hit one, boy, it changes your trajectory of a franchise for 10-plus years. A decade. And if the Denver Broncos hit with true luck, it could be in for a decade's worth of success under John Elway. 
That's the Broncos Blitz podcast, of course, for today. Appreciate you tuning in. Of course, if you want to check out previous archives of the Broncos Blitz podcast, find it at milehighsports.com. That's milehighsports.com for all kinds of great additions and, um, well, news, tidbits, fun profile, interviews with the Denver Broncos. Find it at milehighsports.com. It's milehighsports.com. Later, y'all. To listen to previous versions of the Broncos Blitz podcast, visit milehighsports.com or subscribe to the Broncos Blitz wherever you get your podcast.